gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter. I'm on, after Peter confessed that Jesus is Messiah, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised again. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you all to be seated. There, there are a lot of things that we do in the church and in life that are centered around new things. You know, we think of the joy of baptisms. We think of the joy of receiving new members, the joys of marriage, the celebrations of graduations. We, we think sometimes about the ways we use our worship and, and occasions in, our, in public life to remember not just the things that are good, but to also remember the things that make us grieve. You know, we see processions of, of cars for funerals that I still see from time to time in, in message boards, especially here up north, that complain about how they tie up traffic. But, you know, we, we see that not only for funeral processions going to a, a cemetery or going to a, a church, we see it also for leaders. You know, we all remember seeing the, the funeral procession, at least in passing, of Queen Elizabeth recently. And over the years, you know, we've, we have lots of historic documentation of, of funeral processions like for Kennedy and things like that. And we have all of these things because it's a way of remembering what's been important to us, what we value, what we find to be, to be worth being part of. I, I think a lot of times in life we end up finding ourselves doing things over and over again year after year sometimes not because they continue to bring us particular joy, but because we're just so accustomed to doing them that it doesn't occur to us that, well, even if it does occur to us that maybe we don't need to do it anymore because it's no longer bringing us joy, it's, it's just so hard sometimes to stop. It, it occurs to me that some of these things happen in congregations because over the years, we become so accustomed to the way things work so accustomed to the things that we're used to, so accustomed to the things that we've always done, whether or not they continue to bring us joy. One of the opportunities that COVID brings us, despite the, the grief and sadness and the frustration and isolation of it, is it, it brings us an opportunity to think about who we are apart from all the things we typically do. It get, it's given us an opportunity to think about what does it mean to be a family? as we found ourselves spending a lot more time with our families. What, what does it mean to be a parent or a sibling or a spouse or a friend? 
we've we've had a lot of discussions over the last couple of years about what it means to be the church. You know, some things that that we used to do, we do differently now. The congregation used to send like audio tapes or DVDs to people who were homebound. And now we record the service and broadcast it live. And those are available for people who want to see them on YouTube. And we find that a lot of times these new ways of doing things can be a lot more effective. And we also still have people in the congregation who don't have internet or at least don't use it. And so some of those people may actually still be missing. Now, it's always a give and take about how what, we're, what we've done versus what we're doing is something that's adding value and also how sometimes it takes it away from some people. There's never a perfect solution. And as we, as we continue thinking about our congregation in terms of what our, what our real core mission is, which is what we've set the council to doing here recently, We've asked the council and working groups to consider, you know, if as you think about the ministries you're a part of, as, as you think about the things that you do in this congregation, as you think about what the core mission of St. John really is, what are the things that we do that really continue to bring value to who we are? What are the things that we do that are the absolute core mission of who we are, without which we could no longer call ourselves a ministry or call ourselves a congregation. Now, you know, a little bit vainly, pastors will say, well, you got to preach. Well, Martin Luther would agree, which good news for me. But more, we've got to worship. That's at the core of who we are. We, we have within us not just the organizational desire, but within our humanity, the desire to to seek out that which is greater than we are, to seek out what gives us meaning, to seek out what gives us individual and collective worth. We have within us this need to engage in relationships, not just on Sunday mornings, but in the things we do. And one of the things that I find really challenging for myself is when we get together to have these conversations I start getting really energetic about all the things we do and then start thinking about what could we do? In fact, yesterday, Lauren and I went to, uh, with Willoughby, went to Stowe for the craft beer and music festival that they had at the church in, what was it, First Church of Stowe in Acton. And I immediately, upon getting there and seeing all those people, sent a message to a couple of people saying, look, this is something St. John could do. And then immediately following, even though, this is something St. John could do because it's lovely to see all those people. It was a wonderful thing to see the way they used their property to be able to have carnival games and engage the kids and, and have real fun for everybody of all ages. And, and while it really is something we would do well, is that really the thing I need to be focusing right now on when what my goal is, is to think about what is really core for us at St. John? It is so tempting in, in the face of trying to be really present where we are to jump right into what new things can we get into. And it's not that I don't like new things. If you've talked to me for three and a half minutes at any point in my life, you'll know that I'm usually thinking about something new. And it's also important to think with gratitude about who we are and what we have and, and what we're already doing that has value. 
to think about the time and the effort and the energy and the resources that we put into doing things in the congregation that aren't efforts that are wasted just because they're not new, but we do things that are very much core to what it means to be human, core to what it means to be the church, core to what it means to be God's people that we have been called to do generation after generation after generation. That's some of what I think Paul is getting at this in, in Romans as he's speaking to a church that's been fussing and fighting for a while and that, that sort of lost sense of what the vision of being part of God's people really is, is that when, when they lost sight, they started fussing among themselves about, you know, well, we're supposed to be doing this. We're supposed to be doing that. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And Paul reminds them of something very important. Because like every congregation, I suspect the people in the Roman congregation all came from some different places too. Different walks of life, different life experiences, different family situations, different hopes and dreams, but all sharing the, in common what we always share in common in a congregation, our humanity, our desire to do something worthwhile, our hope that our effort is something that's meaningful, our our hope that by participating in this, we honor God and also find a way to do this in, a, in ways that are meaningful to us. And so Paul reminds us of who we are called to be through Paul's letter to the Romans. Paul reminds us that our calling is not necessarily always to look for the next new shiny thing. Our calling at its very core is what it has always been, love each other so far as it's possible within ourselves, live peaceably with each other. Find people we don't always get along with and spend time with them because what happens typically is we figure out we have more in common than we have that divides us. Look at the way we relate to each other and recognize that is the most important thing about being who we are. The way we get along, the way we honor each other, the way we care for each other. And that's at the center of what St. John does too through our communion ministries and our prayer ministries, through, through the ways we, we think about how do we interact with youth and families and seniors and all the other groups in the congregation as we think about how do we worship in ways that continue to not just please God through our faithfulness, but that continue to inspire us and give us life and hope, helping us to recognize those places within our lives where we might have been doing the same thing for years and years and years, and there is something wonderful in this faithfulness. It, it reminds me, too, of where we get sometimes, where sometimes we as human beings resemble Peter. You know, sometimes we have this really good affirming experience like Peter did last week when Jesus says, do you know who people say I am? And they say, John the Baptist and Elijah and other things. And then Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, that's right, Peter. Remember, if you were here last week, we said that uh, Peter is Petros, which kind of meant chip off the old block or little rock or rocky. And on this rock, the cliff face where the gates of Hades are, I will build my church. On, on the rock of the confession that stands in the face of all those things that might distract us on the rock of the love of God that will not be moved by time or natural disaster, 
maybe by dynamite, but it would take a lot, you know. We, we see this week Peter, who had just received this affirmation in the very next set of verses, when Jesus is explaining to everybody, what does it mean to be the Messiah? Being the Messiah means that I will go to Jerusalem, suffer at the hands of the authorities. I'll be crucified and died, and after three days I'll be raised. And Peter, in typical human fashion, rather than marveling at the mystery of this resurrection that Jesus is talking about, says, no way, I am never going to let that happen to you. They are not going to do that to somebody I love. They are not going to do that when I, on my watch. I am going to make sure that you stay safe. A really reasonable human response. And there are moments when we're faced with the core of who we're called to be as human beings. And anyone who's ever been in any kind of relationship, whether it's friendship or love, knows that None of those things that bring all of these wonderful benefits come without their share of pain. There are moments in our lives where we're called to suffer, sometimes suffer through, sometimes leave, and also many times to figure out how do we work through this so that we can find once again what is worthwhile that brought us there in the first place. And so Jesus, in rebuking Peter, he does something that I think is really important for us to think about. Peter isn't, Jesus isn't saying to Peter, no, you're worthless. Jesus is saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan, the one who distracts, the one who is adversarial toward the things we're called to do, the one who calls us inward so we can satisfy our desires and our wants rather than those things that are needful, those things that are core to who we are. Get behind me, Satan, because your mind is on the things of the world and not on the things of God. God who never promises that following or faith are going to be easy. God who promises that in the struggles we go through together, we are not alone. God who promises that even though there is joy and sorrow in the world, there also is the love that abides and bears through it with us. And I... I think as we continue to think through this, as we hear Jesus saying further, you know, in order to follow me, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross. Those who would save their life will lose it, and those who give up their life will keep it. I think what it means is this. We're, we're called to embrace those things in life and in ministry and community that are giving us life that are giving us joy, that are having those positive outcomes, that are, that are accomplishing those things that we know we need to accomplish because we're the church or because we're people or because that's what our family is or that's who we feel called to be. And in the same way, the Spirit calls us to do things. Sometimes the Spirit calls us to leave things. And if we cling too tightly to the things that are no longer giving us energy, it means that we can no longer embrace those new things to which God is calling us. And if we're so distractible that we go for every new thing that comes along because it's bright and shiny and exciting, we end up letting go of some of those things that really are at the core of who we are. And so the how do I think this models our life in the church is that as people of God, we're, we're called to think really clearly about 
who we're called to be and what we're called to do. I, and I think, too, as we think about who we are as a congregation and who, our, who we are at our core, for a time, maybe our chief task isn't to add an Oktoberfest or something to the schedule, even though I would think it was fun. Maybe our chief task is to look at who we are, what we're doing, what's already important to us, and take some time to stand back and appreciate and have gratitude and find ways as a congregation to say thanks for all the different ways all the people throughout the years of this congregation have given their time and talents and resources to build up who we are now so that as we refocus on our core ministries, we can look at those new things and know that we're being faithful not only to what we've been given, but we're walking together faithfully into what God is calling us to do in the future. Amen.